I do think that this hack makes apologizing in general easier. It definitely has for me, you know, to make it a little bit more specific. Because again, if you grew up in a culture or a microculture where apologizing equals I lost the game or I lost the argument, that it's sometimes a little bit easier to just kind of make it a little bit more granular, a little bit more bite-sized to kind of open that window to being able to apologize. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about apologizing. Specifically, we're going to be talking about both receiving apologies and giving apologies. Lately, we've noticed that tensions have been high, both in online communities and in people's personal lives. And sometimes being able to actually apologize like a good human being or, or accept an apology can really make a big difference in moving forward and reconnecting and maintaining our relationships. And so we want to take a, a episode to talk about this specifically. Unfortunately, Emily won't be joining us for this episode because we're recording this during the week of 4th of July and she is, uh, you know, taking a well-earned vacation. So this is just Dedeker and me coming to you apologizing. We're apologizing for Emily not being here. How about that? <laughs> We're so sorry. I'm sure she's sorry yeah, also. She probably is. We're just everybody sorry for any inconvenience or burden that we put right. on you. Uh, so speaking of, what are the ways that you feel like you personally have learned to be better at apologizing over the years? Boy, I mean, I'm not always great at it, but I do feel like I've become more aware in recent years of of what a good apology is versus a bad one, specifically specifically about making excuses of like an apology that's like, oh, I'm sorry, but here's why versus, versus really apologizing. I feel like that's a big one that I've noticed. And I find that I notice that even more now if other people give that kind of like a, like a qualified apology you know, mm, right. That sort yes. of like I'm yeah. apologizing because I think that I need to, but not really because I understand why or or even really care that much. It's like it's like the way that right. your parents make you apologize to your sibling as a kid where it's like they force you to apologize. Oh, yeah, it's just like right. wrote. You mumble it exactly. under your breath. Exactly. And you find maybe some way to word it. So it's like kind of not really an apology, but. But it gets you off the hook. And I feel like some of us maybe carry that thinking right. into adulthood, unfortunately. Yeah, that just reminded me of I had, a, I had an ex once who apologized to me by saying, yeah, I'm sorry that I raised my voice. You know, I, I did it because you made me really mad. 
Yeah, and, that's, yeah, um, yikes. And that was that was the kind of apology where in the moment I was just like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I'm glad they're apologizing. And then I, it took me like years later wow. to, you know, it's one of those like wake up in the middle of the night moments be like, wait, that wasn't an apology. That was messed up. Well, I love that image of you like bolting up right at two in the morning being like, wait a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I think I've learned uh, to to do it more often, to do the apologizing. Yeah more often. Yeah. And I don't know, I've really been on such a journey of thinking about my family of origin and what communication patterns I saw and things like that. And realizing that when I was growing up, like the repair process or apologizing process, just, I very so rarely witnessed Mm. it, you know, like the adults pretty much never modeled that. I think I, I grew up in a pretty like authoritarian household and as happens with authoritarian power structures, apologies, I think are often a sign of weakness. And so they don't happen very often. Yeah. And it's interesting in looking up this topic of apologizing and that you mentioned learning to do it, because uh, I do think that's something I've, I've noticed with you. Um, but when you look up a, like articles and things about apologizing, you'll get stuff about how to give better apologies, but you'll also find stuff about learning not to apologize specifically talking to women about not needing to apologize for everything. Yes. And so that's interesting that that's also kind of a dynamic worth considering, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, on the flip side of that, I've also had to learn not to apologize or to not have to explain myself in other situations, you know, that I think I've had to learn to fine tune that instrument of figuring out when is it appropriate to apologize and when is it not mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's not really what we're addressing in this episode. This is more assuming you have decided to apologize, but, but maybe just real quick, like, have you found any ways to help tell those situations apart between like what's something that actually needs uh. an apology versus what's apologizing just for doing something that's normal or do you know what I mean? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it starts to get into such a nuanced area because I think about especially, you know, you talk about women being discouraged from apologizing in professional settings and things like that, that then you really start to have to go over things with a fine tooth comb of thinking about when would it be just as impactful for me to just acknowledge that I know someone's busy or acknowledge that I understand this is going to have an impact on you, Mm. you know, like, are there scenarios where acknowledgement and empathy could take the place of apology and saying, I'm sorry? And again, I'm not saying this is a hack to make sure that you never have to apologize to anyone, <laughs> but I'm thinking about more for the person whose um, knee jerk reaction is always be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry to ask this of you. Oh, I'm so sorry mm. to bother you right now. That I think that's been part of my journey as well is like, can we replace it with still being polite and like maybe acknowledging the fact that there's an impact here? Or acknowledging the fact the other person's a human being without needing to put yourself in that position of, oh, it's me and I'm bad and I'm saying sorry. Yeah, that no, I think that's a great way to to think about it as one example there. That yeah, like the difference between well, and I guess that's maybe a good thing to clarify for this episode. This episode, we're talking about apologies where you're apologizing or being apologized to for having done something wrong whether that's something very little or maybe a little bit bigger, um, but not like apologizing for an inconvenience. 
which is maybe a slightly different type of apology. I think there can still be value socially in that type of like, you know, going to your boss. I'm so sorry to bother you, but like, I think there's a place for that. I think that can be okay. Um, But this episode's more about, you know, someone did raise their voice or ate the last piece of pizza that you were saving or something more serious, um, potentially even, even something as big as maybe cheating on a partner or something like that. So to kind of put some bounds on this episode, we're not talking about apologizing for like murdering someone, even though that is a whole field of study. No, I'm actually serious. Like apologizing to the family members of murder victims is like, there is work and study in that. And it's super fascinating, but that's not in the scope of what we're talking about here. Um, I would say even, you know, violence, that's not what we're talking about, but sort of to see the range from something pretty serious, like infidelity to something pretty minor, like eating the last piece of pizza. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's dive in here. And we're actually going to first look at this through the lens of receiving an apology from somebody. Yeah. So with receiving apologies, let's start, let's start at the easy side. And the first thing is to just realize that when someone apologizes to you, it might just feel great. It might be great. It might be all that was needed, right? Especially if it's the first time that they've done something like this. I find for me, especially if I see apologies that happen quickly, particularly when they happen online, for me, that's always like, wow, I'm so shocked because I'm not used to people doing that. That when someone just right away is like, oh, yep, you're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like, okay, wow, I'm impressed because I know that that's not the culture that's encouraged online. So for me, a lot of times it's like, okay, I'm I'm good now. That's that's all I needed. Yeah. Um, it's important to remember that apologizing in general is hard. It's harder for some people more so than others. So that's kind of a scale situation, depending on who it's coming from. And for some people, it's also embarrassing. I would go so far as to say that apologies carry with them just at least the littlest about of shame, little littlest bit of shame, mm-hmm. right? You know, maybe a large amount of shame, maybe a small amount. Somewhere in there, there's shame attached to it, as there should be. You know that that apologizing is part of taking ownership for the fact that you've done something wrong or you've done something that has caused harm. So bear in mind that if you're on the receiving end of an apology, I think it is important to at least know that the fact that this person has come to this point is worth appreciating. And of course, if this is someone that you know well, you probably have an idea of how relatively easy or difficult it is for them as an individual to apologize and get to this point. So you can take the weight of that accordingly. Yeah, I think that's great to take into consideration who it's coming from. I think, again, going with like, if it happens online, I find it more surprising in a way and and maybe more impactful because of that. I could also see that if like a parent apologizes to a kid or a boss apologizes to a subordinate or something like that, I actually find that to, again, be sort of like, wow, that means a lot because you didn't need to because you're in that position of authority. You know, you don't need to, you know, you you could have the power to just be like, nope, I'm right. And you're not. And so I, I do think that adds some extra meaning to it, at least for me in, yeah. in my experience with that. Yeah. Something else to bear in mind, if 
you're being apologized to, it's very easy to feel the urge to, this is maybe a bad way to say it, but I don't know a better way to say it, but to feel the urge to take advantage of that moment. I think especially if you're in that classic example where you and a partner are fighting and you've gotten pulled into this kind of me versus you, maybe you have a demon dance battle, maybe you're doing the whole bad guy boogie kind of thing. If you don't know anything that I just said, go check a couple episodes prior um, (laughs) to figure that out. You know, but maybe you've been in kind of this tussle, this me versus you, and then someone pauses and switches gears and takes ownership and apologizes, it can be so easy to just completely miss that or let that ball go flying by you Mm. so that you can kind of kick them while they're down. Essentially, it's it's very hard. Like if your partner is able to turn on a dime and suddenly apologize and try to repair things and try to get things, get us back on the same page. It's sometimes it's hard when you got that momentum, you know, if you got the momentum and you're used to kind of scanning scanning your partner systematically for weaknesses in an argument so that you can make your point that often we see a partner apologizing. It's like, ha now I can rub it in or I can be like, yeah, you should be sorry. And also this happened and yada, 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 you know. Um, but that could potentially be missing a really, really important opportunity. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that you bring this up because I remember this being something you and I talked about years ago in our relationship where for you <laughs> like you found that the fact that I would apologize after our arguments kind of caught you by surprise and you did express to me that you had to sort of resist that urge to be like ah he's lost now I can I can win do you remember talking about this years ago I don't remember talking about it but I believe you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that I guess for you, like in your family growing up, not seeing that happen, um, that it, it is kind of this like, no, 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 no one does that unless they're admitting defeat and no one ever admits defeat. So it was kind of this, no. this weird jarring thing for you. Well, I was, I think at that time I was also on the heels of that particular relationship yeah. with the ex where apologizing didn't really happen. And then when it did, it was kind of the, those weird weird ones like the example I gave. Right. But it was actually your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but it is totally possible that when your partner comes and apologizes to you, that maybe you're just like not ready or you weren't expecting it or you're not in a place. Maybe your nervous system is just too activated. You're too angry or too worked up that you can't, you know, you can't turn to that apology with compassion or, or reception necessarily. And so it's totally okay to ask for a halt, take a pause, go into the other room, you know, maybe thank them for apologizing, but say, I need to think about that a little bit or process that I'm going to go take a 20 minute walk, something like that. And it doesn't mean that by the time you come back from your 20 minute walk, everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but it does give you a chance to let the apology sink in, to let your body calm down and hopefully come back to the conversation, better able to receive or continue talking about it in a more productive way. Yeah. So in researching this and specifically in researching some of these more nuanced things about when you're not ready to let it go and how do you handle that? Uh, I found that there was a lot of research from uh, the University of Pittsburgh. They have the Conflict Resolution Center. They've got a lot of studies. They're all available for free on their site too, like the actual PDFs of the studies or the papers on the studies, which is great. And 
So in preparing for this, I actually had a short conversation with Professor Karina Schumann, who is the one who leads the Conflict Resolution Center. So the main focus of my research is on how to get people to work out their problems, how to get people to step up and do what's good for the relationship and for the other person to reach out, you know, make a bridge rather than uh, let it fall apart and let their self-protective and uh, defensive motivations take over in conflict situations where it can be really hard to to make amends, to forgive, to to repair the relationship. Yeah, so I found her studies to be really influential in putting this together. But I noticed in a lot of my research that there's not a lot out there about receiving apologies, like I mentioned before. So that was something specifically that I wanted to ask her about what she's observed from actually doing research on this. There does seem to be seem to be a social script around apology behavior, both for transgressors and victims. The script being that if you receive an apology, the the right or kind or compassionate thing to do is to forgive. And so that might both add insult to injury for victims sometimes. They might feel pressure to forgive and accept the apology. And that can be especially difficult if the apology doesn't feel genuine, if it feels manipulative, if it feels like it's coming from a place where the person's just trying to, you know, sweep it under the rug and move on without really addressing the behavior. From the perspective of the transgressor, it can be difficult to apologize. And so to the extent that it's possible, if you're on the receiving end of the apology, how try to have some empathy towards the, the transgressor. Try to see it from the, the perspective that this could be difficult for them. And so what they say might not be perfect. Um, but at the same time, don't feel the pressure to forgive right away just because someone has apologized to you. You know, do take into account whether that apology feels real, assess its sincerity, and you know, you can you can still voice concern and and have a constructive, calm conversation with someone who's hurt you to say, look, I, I appreciate the apology. It felt real and I'm I'm very grateful for the fact that you've taken that step. But I also need to see behavioral change in order for there to be true forgiveness or for me to really be able to move on. An apology is really a great start, but I also want to see, you know, you put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, so that this doesn't happen again. And so, you know, I think victims should feel empowered to do that, to still be vocal about what their needs are, to be able to move on and resolve the conflict to a point where they feel comfortable moving forward with the person. Yeah. So to back all that up, just remember that even though forgiveness is a really important quality to have in your personal relationships, and we just talked about that a couple episodes ago, that that's actually, you know, a really important quality, a really important strength to have in your relationships. However, we also love boundaries on this show. And so (laughs) that means that, you know, if something really egregious did happen, you don't have to forgive even if somebody apologizes. It is a choice. I remember that this was something I really struggled with because I also was raised in the Christian church that puts such an emphasis on forgiveness as a value. And the narrative around it was kind of like, well, if someone apologizes or asks for forgiveness, you got to give it to them. That's the Christian thing to do. And it was that was kind of the same metric applied both to if someone spilled coffee on you And if someone was found out to be a pedophile, you know, I mean, like really, really serious stuff, which I think that that's kind of also a bigger thing that we carry, I think, as a culture around forgiveness and why that's so tricky is because we kind of 
apply it like a blanket value, I suppose, of like if someone apologizes, you just have to. Um, Something else to think about is that it's possible to accept somebody's apology, but that doesn't mean that you have to restore or maintain a relationship with them. You can accept somebody's apology. You can express appreciation for it. You can acknowledge the weight and the difficulty that it took for them to do that while also still being clear of your boundaries, whether that's I'm not going to be in a relationship with you or we're not going to talk about this or we're not going to stay in contact or whatever it is, you know, like just because someone apologizes to you doesn't mean that you automatically have to be like super cool with them still from then on out. When I was working on putting this episode together and was talking to Dedeker about it, her counterpoint was, what about when it's too late to apologize? Which, of course, then got that song stuck in my head. But then in, in thinking about it, I thought, you know, it's interesting because the song's not really about it being too late to apologize. It's about it being too late to fix that relationship or maintain that relationship. And I think that's also something we're thinking about, too, is is the motivation of this apology just to get what you want so like you know just for that person to get what they want or to stay in this relationship with you because if so then yeah maybe it could be too late to apologize um but <laughs> sorry that's gonna make me giggle <laughs> no, every time yeah uh but if if it is really just like no i i need to apologize just because that's the right thing to do and i and i do want to acknowledge this then i think that's also worth taking into account, but it still doesn't mean that they get to repair that relationship just because they apologized. Uh, And I think another good example of this happens like in a friend group or a peer group, or maybe with coworkers is that you could still establish some boundaries for yourself that work within that social context. So it's not like one or the other of us has to leave this friend group. We could stay civil and stay friendly with each other. But maybe I have a boundary around, I'm not going to make any plans with you because I do appreciate your apology, but I can't trust you at least right now. And that's also something to keep in mind is that maybe you just need time. Even if that time is several years, like it's still possible that it's like, you know, I, I just need time. And once I see once I see evidence, like real proof that this behavior has changed, then maybe I'll feel safer. But for now, I appreciate your apology and I hope you follow through on it. But that doesn't mean we're going to go back to how things were before. Right. And as always, beware of apologetic repeat offenders, I guess is what I'd want to call this. You know, ultimately, remember, you're the only person who can protect yourself at the end of the day. And no matter how much you love someone, if there's a repeated pattern of them doing something really harmful to you and then apologizing, but then there's no change and it's just the same back and forth pattern. Uh, that's that's probably not going to change by itself. And it's probably not going to just change with a simple apology, especially if that's what keeps happening over and over and over again. Often apologies are a fundamental part of the abuse cycle, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's important for you to evaluate you know, what are the things that I actually need to see from this person? Kind of like Dr. Schumann talked about, like, what are the things I actually need to see from this person behaviorally? What change do I need to see so that I can actually accept an apology and trust in it and offer forgiveness? And if you're not seeing those things, then 
maybe it's time to get on out of there, partner. Yeah. And I think there can be a lot of power there, too, in I accept the apology and I appreciate it, but it also doesn't fix it. And kind of that, you know, you can still have your boundary, you can still leave, you can still do things to protect yourself from someone that you don't trust while still appreciating the apology. If you do, that is. And, and maybe you don't. That's, you know, that's something we, we address, too. Maybe you just don't. Maybe it doesn't feel real. Maybe it doesn't feel sincere. OK, so now before we wrap up this section on receiving apologies and move on to giving them, there's a couple more considerations here that don't always apply. But a lot of times in relationships, uh, whether that's romantic or with friends, there's often there's often two sides to something, right? It's like maybe they did something that irritated you and then maybe your reaction was possibly an overreaction. Or even if it wasn't an overreaction, it maybe still was rude or it was hurtful too. And then it escalates, escalates, escalates. And, you know, for people who've been in relationships with each other for a while, we're, we're real good at doing that. We're real good at, you know, subtly pushing the buttons and just like, do, 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 do. it escalates. And so when someone in that situation, if your partner does take the initiative to be the one to apologize first, this can also be your chance to really think about, okay, yes, let's, let's bring this down now. Let's deescalate this. Let's talk about it. And maybe there's some apologizing that you could do as well. Yeah. And remember that the Gottmans have done research on this, that even if you can only bring yourself to apologize for a small part of the situation, that's still better than nothing at all. Mm. You know, so something that I do with the couples that I work with quite a lot is as they kind of reflect on the stuff they've heard from their partner and reflect on their partner's experience is just trying to find like what's even a little part that makes the most sense to me or that I feel like I can empathize with the most so that I can be like, okay, yeah, I can understand how when you heard me say that it would come across that way. And I'm sorry that, that that's how it, you know, that's how I made it feel. Or I'm sorry that, you know, I can take responsibility for the fact that I said that in a way or said that in a tone that, wasn't very friendly or wasn't very kind, you know, and it's I do think that this hack makes apologizing in general easier. It definitely has for me, you know, to make it a little bit more specific, because, again, if you grew up in a culture or a microculture where apologizing equals I lost the game or I lost the argument that it's sometimes a little bit easier to just kind of make it a little bit more granular, a little bit more bite sized to kind of open that window to being able to apologize. Yeah. And that's a great segue into the second half of our episode, which is about how do we give these apologies? What makes a good apology? But before we get to that, we want to take a quick moment to talk about how you can support this show, keep this going, and allow us to keep finding research and offering that to people as a free podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So... There are a number of resources out there about what techniques do you use when it is time to be the one apologizing. And we've compiled a little bit of a, shall we say, a little bit of a roundup of a couple of different systems that people have made for talking about how to craft apologies as well. But let's also hear what Dr. Schumann had to say about what are the ingredients that make a good apology. If they don't feel that you know what you've done and that you are willing to accept responsibility for that, then it seems much less likely that you're going to not do that behavior again in the future. Um, you have to be accountable for it so that you can change the behavior and and prevent yourself from engaging it in it again. And that's really what people want. They want to know that they're not going to be hurt again by you in the future. So it's kind of a mix. It's a, a, an emotional mix of acknowledging what you've been done, expressing remorse and regret for it, and then, you know, giving signals that you're going to change it, that you're not going to commit that offense again. And that can be saying it explicitly about how you're going to change the behavior or make sure that you don't do it again. Or it could be more implicit in just, you know, showing how genuinely heart felt, you know, emotional you are about the, the offense and how how it's really affected you so that they know that you know what it, what has happened and you're not going to do it again. So really what it comes down to is sincerity. The person has to feel that it's real and, and that you care is really what it comes down to. Yeah. So in the past, gosh, this must have been maybe a year and a half ago. We maybe two years ago, longer ago. I don't know. Dedeker and I did an episode about God, Dr. Gary Chapman's five apology languages and uh, he's the guy who wrote the five love languages and, you know, was looking for the next book to write and did one on He's apologies. kind of a one trick pony. Yeah. <laughs> five, he's, five, he's done great work. Five fill in the blank he's just languages. Kind of a, yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a five languages pony, as it were. Yeah, five language pony. That's that's good. I like that. It's like a one trick <laughs> pony, but a five language pony. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, right. So... So a lot of the ingredients that Dr. Schumann talked about 
are covered in God, Dr. Gary Chapman's five apology languages. And I think that in the couple of years since we did that episode, I've kind of come around more and more to I actually don't think his whole languages thing applies as well to this. I think it's it's useful if it helps people remember it or it gets people thinking about it. That's great. But I think I, I would describe them more as like five ingredients that should be mixed to taste in a dish of apology, you know, mm, tasty <laughs> that that. Yeah, I think that it is something where um, it's more about you should try to incorporate all of these things into it to have a really good apology and to spend the time working on yourself and thinking about it to where you can actually do these things and mean these things and not just be following a script. So I think it's a little bit different from the five love languages in that way. But with that said, let's quickly go through what the five are uh, and then we'll go on to another framework. So the first one is expressing regret. So this is saying, you know, I'm truly sorry or I wish I'd acted differently or I shouldn't have done X, Y, Z of kind of expressing that you, it's not like, oh, I did this thing and I'm sorry you were hurt by it. It's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry that I did the thing. Yeah. Next one is to accept responsibility. So things like I was wrong or I know that my actions were responsible for this happening or straight up saying, yeah, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The third one is making restitution. So that is what can I do to make it up to you? I'll compensate you you if it's something monetary or something that can be replaced, or I'm going to do this in order to make it right again. Um, And and offering those things, I think there's maybe value in asking, you know, what can I do to make this right? But also coming in with an offer of, would it help if I did this? Like, could I do this? I know that won't totally make it up to you, but I would like to. Yes. The next language is genuinely repenting. That's saying things like, I'm going to do things differently in the future, or I know that I need to change this behavior and I want to, or these are the steps I'm going to take in order to change myself. This one is interesting because the repenting seems to reflect back on the things that you recognize about yourself Mm. that you want to be different. Yeah, yeah. And I think that like in what Dr. Schumann said, where it's that we want to, we want to be sure that we show signs and make it believable that we're going to change and that they don't have to worry about us doing this thing again, that in the five apology languages, that's framed as repenting, which I guess has an aspect of like, then you're also not going to do the thing again. But, but it does seem like from his examples, it's kind of more focused on How do you ensure you're not going to do this thing again? How do you make that clear to the person? Uh, And then the last one, and this one's interesting because it's not really covered in any other sort of frameworks, and it's not really talked about in other places about apologizing that I found, at least. This one seems somewhat specific to his framework, and that is requesting forgiveness. So that's also including, will you forgive me? Or... I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me or I value our relationship. I know I've hurt you and I hope you will forgive me. It's interesting because like we talked about before with receiving apologies, that can that can be used to put pressure on someone to feel like they have to forgive you. 
especially because of all the weight that we put on that word, which is why I actually just don't like that word at all. I don't think it's I a know, very useful word. I wish we had word. a better word now. Well, I still, I almost wonder if it's something like we've talked about before with jealousy, where it's not like we need a better word, but it's more like we're using this one word that has too broad a meaning. And maybe it'd be better if we just tried to be more specific. I don't know. Something to think about with, with that. Um, but yeah. in Dr. God, Dr. Gary Chapman's research, uh, he found that for some people, having someone ask for forgiveness was really important to them in hearing an apology. So, so I think that's interesting to, to at least consider that and realize that maybe for some people that is important to have asked of them. Right. So another framework that we can take a look at uh, was one that we found on Psychology Today. And they refer to this apology framework as the three R's. It's super catchy. So the three R's are regret for having caused the hurt or damage, responsibility, so taking ownership or acceptance of what your actions were, and remedy, which is a statement of willingness to remedy the situation. I like that. Again, it takes those same kind of granular ingredients that God, Dr. Gary Chapman has that Dr. Schumann talked about and compresses them into this little catchy triple R, triple R and R <laughs> yeah. at the bar kind of situation. Yeah. And on Multi-Emory, we're always fans of anything that can be more memorable by making it alliterative or rhyming or being somehow silly. Uh, so I think that the three R's is nice. So regret, responsibility, and remedy. And I think that really pretty much everything that is in the five apology languages and everything that's in what Dr. Schumann said is kind of here in these two. They're just sort of different ways of teasing apart and labeling those components, but they all seem to have sort of a similar, a, a similar thing, right? Of truly being sorry for the thing, not just saying that you're sorry, being responsible for it, not just kind of, oh, well, I guess I'm sorry if it hurt your feelings, but actually being sorry and realizing you did something wrong. And then that very important step of making sure it's not going to happen again, right? Of remedy or repenting. Oh, also an R. I guess you could swap out repenting for remedy if you really want to sort of combine I, the I don't two. think we need to sprinkle in more religious okay. vocabulary. Okay, you're right. You're right. That's true. So in the section on responsibility, which both systems mention, uh, something specific to this that came up in some of the articles I found was about actually naming the thing you did. So not just hey, I'm sorry, I know your feelings were hurt. Again, sort of putting it in this sort of passive, like this just sort of happened. It's like, hey, I'm sorry that I called you this name that I know is really hurtful to you. Or I'm sorry that I did this thing without thinking and, and I know that was really hurtful to you and I shouldn't have done that thing. That it's like naming the specific thing and then also taking that ownership of I did the thing that hurt you instead of just the sorry if I hurt you. And it reminds me of the example that I find comes up a lot with conversations about like sexism or racism or other isms or transphobia or things like that, where it's like someone says something that was hurtful, someone calls them out on that, and then the apology is oh, well, that's just a thing I said, I'm sorry if that's offensive to you. 
that it's not saying I'm sorry I said it. It's just saying I'm sorry for you having those feelings. It's like a it's like totally removing any responsibility. It's not taking any actual ownership for for what happened. And then maybe the even worse version of that is the like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't realize you were so sensitive about it. That's like even more so putting it on them, like they're actually the one with a fault and you're sorry, like I feel sorry for you rather than like I'm sorry because I did something wrong. I think that's, I think for some people, again, because maybe it's modeled for us a lot growing up, uh, you know, depending on how our parents or, or our friends were about this, that for some people, they just go to that pattern. I've noticed that like apologies always for them tend to follow that pattern of, I can't admit fault because somehow I was taught that's losing or that's bad or that's dangerous or something. I can still drop the S word because that's a magical word. Right. Somehow. <laughs> right. But... <laughs> yeah. So I think this is something to be aware of and try to catch if you might be someone who follows this pattern and to realize like that's not helpful. You're not building and supporting your relationships by doing that um, and actually might be doing a lot more damage to them than you realize. Yeah. It's also important to not follow up an apology with a but or with a justification necessarily. Now, I think people do need to be careful here because especially if this is in the context of your personal relationships, I do think it is important for both parties to have an opportunity to talk through what happened. You know, if you're curious about that, go look for our episode about repair shop part of that process is we both get to talk about our version of events, recognizing mm. that neither of us have 100% the truth of, you know, the objective reality of what happened. But I do think it is important to hear explanations from both people of like, well, this was my perception of what happened. And the other person, well, this was my perception of what happened, just to help deepen mutual understanding. Um, so I do think that's an important part of the process. But when it comes to actually apologizing, I think it is important to not shoot yourself in the foot, as it were, to say, yeah, I'm really sorry that I did that. I understand how it could have come across this way, but you're being a total jerk. And but I still feel this way, you know. Mm. Um, and also, you know, just be careful of the difference between explaining yourself and justifying yourself. That can get really tricky. If you're questioning where you're falling on that spectrum, it's better to err on the side of just doing less of that in general. We want to feel like good people, moral people who don't hurt others. And when we do something wrong, it's it's easy to justify it. We also have access to all the reasons why we why we did it, why we're late, why we um, said that hurtful thing, what's going on internally um, in our lives and situational constraints and our behavior. So it's really easy to make excuses for ourselves and to want to make excuses for our behavior. Whereas the, the person who's been hurt, they don't really want that. They they do want some explanation as long as it's not pushing away responsibility. But they, they really just want to know that, that you're sorry for what you did and, and that it's real. And so they might see it as more severe than the person who's done, done the wrongful act. And that's, you know, because of the various motivations that we bring to the situation. And so it's really difficult to get onto the same page sometime. And that's why things like empathy are so important because, through empathy, through perspective taking, by listening to the person who's been hurt and trying to get a sense of why it was hurtful for them. That's where we can start to drop some of our desire to see things through our self-protective lens and really, you know, try to get onto the same page as they are to see it 
through through their perspective of why it was hurtful and why we do need to make amends for it. Yeah. And along with that, there can be this problem where because I know all my justifications for why I did something or what was going on in my head or what it reminded me of or any number of things that I might think that what I did was fairly small, but to the other person based on whatever's going on in in their life or how that felt to them, how that relates to other things they've experienced, what else was going on in their life at the time, right? They're similar, just as valid, but different from your experience of the world. To them, that might be a much more serious thing that happened. And actually, in the research, there is a term for that, which is the magnitude gap which is a term for when the person doing the apologizing feels like the harm was smaller than the person receiving it does, which can lead to an apology feeling unsatisfactory. Part of the reason why there is this magnitude gap is that there are very few situations where it's so clean cut that one person is just the transgressor and the other person is just the victim. The transgressors often also feel a little victimized. They feel like the situation was provoked or that, you know, it was a reaction to something else or, or that there was some other, you know, basically instigating event that makes their actions more justifiable. And perhaps they were even victimized a little bit by the other person. And, and so, you know, it's, there's a lot of gray area in conflict and a lot of um, misinterpretation and a lot of just differences in perspective. And so, you know, I think it's just really important for people to, to remember that. And to the extent that we can really engage with each other and try to listen, try to understand, try to communicate through conflict, through things like apologies and so on, then that's really where we're going to make progress and be able to resolve them effectively. I, I don't know why this is coming up now, but Jace, I just remembered you telling me that in the process of interviewing Dr. Schumann, you <laughs> had to apologize to her because of like some scheduling mishaps. And how did that go down? Yeah, no, it was so weird. So I, you know, had had scheduled this call with her and she had a real short window of time, you know, when her kids were going to be watching a show or something. She's like, this is my time. And I ended up on a work call that went long. And when I got off of that, realized, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm late for this thing. And I wrote her an email and found myself suddenly going, oh, God. I'm apologizing to an expert on apologies. Like she's going to see through everything I say. Like what, how do I, I don't know what to do. And so I just kind of like panicked. And I mean, I I did apologize and I tried not to go overboard in apologizing. I tried not to like, you know, do too elaborate of an apology, but it was this weird, like I suddenly got super in my head about like, how do you apologize to someone who researches this? However, I did later try to comfort myself. I still feel bad about it, but I did try to comfort myself a little bit in realizing that she works at the conflict resolution lab. So maybe she was also working to resolve that conflict too. And so maybe I I shouldn't have thought it so much as like critiquing apology, but more that she's an expert in resolving conflict. Yeah, she's uniquely suited Uh, to resolve that situation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just a last couple of things to bear in mind here is, again, if you're the person who's needing to give an apology, understand that it may not be accepted. It may not be accepted right away or it may not be accepted ever. Unfortunately, you can't really control where the other person is in their process or in their journey. 
And something that's important to bear in mind is that if your motivation for apologizing is actual self-improvement, is actual, I'm acknowledging what I've done wrong and I want to make restitution for that and then also find ways to make it so that I don't make that same mistake again, it's going to be much easier to deal with someone rejecting your apology more so than if your only motivation for apology was getting their approval Mm. or getting their blessing in some way. This makes me think of what we were just talking about in our criticism episode, specifically with diversity training and racial awareness training, that if particularly white participants have a person of color who's facilitating the training, that they tend to get really caught up in getting approval Mm. from the facilitator who's, you know, acting like the symbol of people of color rather than putting in their energy towards actual self-motivation. And, you know, I think that when it comes to apologizing in relationships, you know, like Dr. Schumann said, there's all these gray areas. It can get really messy. Like it can be very easy to have this weird mix of I both want to improve, but I also want to repair the relationship. And I also want approval from my partner. You know, it can be all these different things at once. But I think it is important to check in and just see like what's actually there underneath this, what's dominating this. And that's probably going to influence how it does go for you when you apologize. Yeah. And I think this especially applies for bigger transgressions, right? Like I mentioned at the beginning of this, something more serious like an affair or a big lie or something that was very hurtful, that this is something that it's understandable that this might take that person some time and maybe they will never forgive you for this. But if you're if you're going in like really understanding that and grasping sort of the gravity of the situation, I guess, I think that can help to still, still say what you want to say and then not sort of turn it into being shitty all over again and then getting mad at them for not accepting your apology or, you know, other sorts of bad behavior. If you really have checked in to be clear on what your motivations are. And what this made me think of was specifically Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step programs, that one of the steps, I believe it's the ninth one, is is apologizing to people that you have hurt in the past. And in looking into that, I know that that's something where they do talk a lot about do that, but only if you can do that, for example, in a way that isn't going to cause more harm to that person by trying to apologize, which I think is, is... something that's not so easy to just pin down exactly what counts as that or not, but it's important that they talk about that. And that's worth thinking about. And I think part of that too, is just realizing that you might not get to, and if your motivation for apologizing is just so you can feel better or just to like get them to forgive you, you might have a harder time then if you're not receiving that thing. And then last thing that we wanted to cover here before we do a quick review is to just keep in mind that this sort of magnitude gap can also kind of go the other way, where the one apologizing just keeps going on and on and on about, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, this is so terrible, this is really hard, and that the person being apologized to is like, yeah, okay, I get it. And maybe they're still like, yeah, I'm sort of hurt about it. But when you then just sort of keep going on about the apology over and over and over again, you can sometimes end up in a situation where 
now it's almost like you're putting more burden on the person you're apologizing to, to try to assuage your guilt or to try to convince you to stop feeling bad. And maybe this sounds, maybe this sounds dark or kind of heavy, but I think there is some value in sort of realizing, especially if you've done something really shitty, that that's not their job to get rid of that guilt for you or to convince you not to feel bad anymore, that maybe you just are going to feel bad for a while. And maybe that's going to be several years, but that, but that it's important to remember it's not their job to be the one to, to convince you when it's okay to not feel bad anymore. So let's do some final takeaways. So if you're the one receiving an apology, it's important to connect to empathy, to thank them for apologizing, to evaluate their sincerity as well as your own boundaries. So don't feel like you're obligated to forgive or to forgive right away. And if you were also involved in this fight or contributed in some way, this is your chance to apologize as well. Then if you're on the side of giving apologies is to be clear about what you did wrong. Don't make excuses. A little bit of explanation can be okay, but be careful not to go too far. Be genuine and apologize because you mean it and not just because you want to get something from them or you want approval from them. Offer to make it up to them or show and or I guess maybe both and show them how you're going to commit to changing that behavior instead of just saying I'm sorry and trusting that it will change. And then to understand that they don't have to accept your apology, at least not right now. Maybe they need some time. Maybe that time is an hour or maybe it's 10 years, whatever that is. Just realize that they don't have to accept your apology and you shouldn't force them to do that. All right. So I hope this was helpful. I know that right now, I think that apologies could go a long way, really in all of our lives. But um, being able to do that, being able to own up to our parts in conflicts and arguments and things like that can be can be really powerful. In our bonus episode, which is for patrons, we're going to be talking a little bit more about how apology dynamics change when the transgression is more serious, or if the apology is in more of a public forum rather than just one-to-one. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and listening a little bit more about what Dr. Schumann had to say about that in our bonus episode. We would love to hear from you. Was there anything in this that blew your mind? Are you a, an absolute whiz at apologizing? Uh, what is it that made you have to learn to be so good at apologizing if that's the case? Uh, whatever it is, we would love to hear your comments. Maybe there's something you feel like we left out. We would love for you to share that. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.